The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. On the viewpoint. The work of a mentor doesn't end when Women's Month ends. It continues until the work is done, if ever it is done. The upcoming IME Annual Conference is a mentorship program that was created as a platform where young girls from disadvantaged backgrounds could gain their self-worth, self-worth and confidence. The conference targets poverty-stricken schools, families and child-headed homes who have suffered sexual abuse, among other social norms. Disnorms, I beg your pardon. It also aims to build young girls' characters and self-esteem. We're now joined on the line by somebody who's been with us for the last 10 minutes, founder of Empress on Top Training Institute, Miss Tandi Swamad who is from East London. Is that true? Are you from East London? Are you from Alice? Let's talk now about the resources because, I mean, this is important, obviously, and to the extent that those South Africans who are listening are in a position to assist, those of you who are from Queenstown, those of you who went to the University of Forte, those of you among us who are from Marty's, and those who are sufficiently moved to assist on a good cause, third annual IME Girls Conference. Venue, PA system, decor, catering, transport. I mean, these are the things that are going to advance your your work, I suppose. And you are 93,000 in the red, Your yes. my research tells me. How much of that have you got? Because I can support. I got 5,000 rent, which was towards transportation. And it came from um, people that have taxis. Like, I've got two guys that have taxis. And those I can hire for 2.5 per day. So they gave me two taxis. The reason why I'm asking this question, sorry, is because we've got the Minister of Sports, Arts and Culture who's listening on this conversation. I want to put on the spot there to what extent she might help. So this is obviously a good opportunity um, for you to put in a good proposal because she's also going to be talking to us about some things that have been happening in her department, specifically women and job opportunities, women and health issues, women and inclusion of boy-child in public discourse. So these are some of the things that will dovetail with her program. But finally, on that last point, to the extent that you're creating, which is very good, the I Am Me initiative, creating bold yes. and confident, smart young women, mm. where are their partners, their contemporaries, their boys, their boyfriends, their future husbands in this? <laughs> that's, that's actually a future program, but because I'm an academic, I don't take for granted, you know, somebody's expertise in anything. So for me, I have expertise in building a girl child. So because I want to extend to actually offering this for boys as well, I need to find people that actually specializes, you know, in coaching a boy to become a man. So we do have those kind of workshops, but we have not implemented them yet because I don't have, you know, um, capacity and the team that can actually execute that. But that's something that we're looking into implementing in the future. Awesome. This is my final question to you because she was very instrumental in us learning about your initiative and she assisted us with the research as well and was like, when is this happening? Because I need to listen because it's Women's Month and it would fit in quite well. So she's done a lot of your bidding for you. Your good friend, Ms. Balisa Mambi, very soon to be Dr. Balisa Mambi. Has she supported yes. this initiative in any way? And if not, let's put her on the spot. Let's put her on a challenge. <laughs> She did. She supported it very much. Actually, she's our behavioral scientist. 
So for the activities that we'll be doing outside, hence we were saying we're looking for a venue that looks like a farm. So she has designed some of the activities that the girls will be doing outside on day two. And also she has contributed to building the the, the workbook that they will be living with because there's different chapters that will be dealing with self-esteem, self-awareness, character building, and their behavior and stuff like that. So she has contributed to that manual which the girls will take home after the conference. Legacy. So I'm so grateful to her. Excellent. Thank you so much. Well done to you, Tandis. Well done as well to your friends, Ms. Bali Samambi. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much. 21 to 22 September, venue to be confirmed somewhere between East London, King Williamstown and Queenstown and Alice. Go figure where that will be. We're going to keep our eyes peeled on this initiative by Ms. Tandis Omagbeleba, founder of Empress on Top Training Institute, an initiative aimed at creating a strong, confident young woman. Okay, Harold, you go out there and you own it. Frank Underwood style. No, tougher. Claire Underwood style. You look at him straight in the eye and you say, Mr. Rogers, I've earned that promotion. I run this department with an iron fist. I own this office. Harold, why are you talking to yourself in the mirror? Where's my report? Oh, 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 Mr. Rogers, it's right here. Get the lowdown on how to own the office with House of Cards, Mondays and Tuesdays at 9.30 on SABC3. The stage is yours. Own it. To truly appreciate how far South Africa has come, SAFM, honoring the woman of yesterday, today and tomorrow. SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. on SAFM. As part of the build-up activities for Women's Day commemorative event, the National Department of Sports, Arts and Culture will be hosting a Social Cohesion Women's Month Dialogue. The dialogue is premised on the concept of Women Month and will be convened under the theme 25 Years of Democracy. What does it mean for South African women? This will be an opportunity for women of all ages, cultural background and races Thought leaders and women in leadership positions discussing on issues that are affecting women within Freiburg, Northwest, and the country at large. That, I understand, happened earlier today at Kismet Hall in Freiburg in the Nordwest Provincie. And to discuss that more with us is the Deputy Minister in the Ministry of Sports, Arts, and Culture, Mama Nontawe Mafo. Good evening, Siswam Gunja. You have a fan from obviously where you meet in Cape Town. Beautiful lady that one have been to her house in. Kutala is my baby. Thank you so much. Excellent. Deputy Minister, let's have a conversation, please, about what was happening earlier on this evening at Kismet Hall in Freiburg. Tell us the concept behind it's what was happening. Still happening. It's, it's actually still happening as we speak. I, I had to step out uh, to come and speak to you. It's not concluded yet. Excellent. Uh, yes. We, we're having a dialogue with, with women from, from Freiburg, from all walks of life, professionals, young people and and old people as we celebrate the 25 years of democracy. But they are sharing with us their challenges. And as you know, one of the big challenges is the issue of unemployment mm. in Freiburg. It's mm. very high. Mm. But also one of the big issues as well is the issue of the, the violence against women in this part of 
country, which is happening everywhere in South Africa right now. So we 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 allowed them to talk to us as 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 we shared as a panel here of young people and also people that have benefited from NYTA in terms of opening up their own businesses. So we're sharing good practices and in terms of what it is that we can do better. But we have agreed as well that there's a need for us to come back. They have begged us to come back for, for a longer day to share with them more and actually they talk to us more. We have agreed that we will do that. I mean, you're talking about a lot of things here. I mean, 1956 Women's March, access to education. Yeah. These are issues that have been affecting and afflicting women for the longest time, especially when yeah. you talk to about issues of primary health care, boy-child <coughs> in public discourse, something which is probably developing attraction, women and job opportunities. For the most part, in society, in the social space, as well as in the economic space, women tend and are oftentimes at the bottom of the pecking order. And this initiative, I would imagine, through the works of sports, arts and culture, or the opportunities that sports, arts and culture offer or could offer, this is a way of trying to address that inherent social um, problem. Yes. What is some of the IP that is coming from this um, dialogue that you're having with the young people? Yeah. I remember song as when we talk about the, the issue of women emancipation and the history of women in this country, one of the big things that we must always remember is that the struggle continues. When the women of 1956 marched, and it was not the end of the history, when 1994 we went and casted our votes to vote for a new democracy, it was not the end of the, the struggle for women. When policies were passed that were trying to empower women, when laws were passed to make sure that women are actually having better access to to certain things, that was not the end. The important thing is also to make sure that you continuously educate women about these things because you might have these policies sitting in that shelf, in that office, and a woman in Freiburg does not even know that there is a policy that is actually empowering her. So as we have these policies and we talk about how much we have, we have come from 1956 today, one of the big things is to make sure that we continuously educate women. We continuously making sure that they understand what their rights are as enshrined in the constitution that we have passed. Because someone who is not as empowered as me is not going to know that the constitution allows her to own a piece of land as opposed to a woman in 1913 or 1914 who couldn't own a piece of land because she's a woman. So I'm just saying it's important that we continuously educate women, we continuously have these dialogues, we continuously talk to each other, we continuously making sure that the offices of government are open to women to make sure that they actually give them those those informations. A ward counselor in a ward is empowered enough to understand that he or she can impart that knowledge to that woman in that world.
Let's talk about so some of... No, I understand. No, I appreciate that, Minister. Let's talk about something which is squarely within the province of the department itself, that sports, arts and culture. Equal pay for women in sport. And no greater an example have we seen something which was just obviously and patently wrong was how the Bafana Bafana team is grossly and disproportionately better paid than the Banyana Banyana women's national team, who on record do far better than the men's team. What are the ways in which now are going to be employed in this administration to correct that? Yes. The Minister of Sports Arts and Culture, Minister Mnachim Tetra, has actually, uh, uh, I don't know if you listened to the budget speech because we've called for a dialogue because we actually need to correct this. Look, it's not only happening in South Africa. Women generally Accepted. are underpaid. Because if you remember... The team in, in, in America has done yes. so well. And it is actually underpaid compared to a team that we don't even know of men there in America that is playing soccer. Mm. We don't even know that team. But the women's team there is has won that World Cup four times and is underpaid. So it is something that is systematic. It is happening everywhere. So we we in South Africa, we in the department, we have called for a dialogue to discuss the issue of the women in sport, not only Banyana Banyana, because even women in netball mm. are being underpaid. So we are having that discussion, and we are hoping that we will be able to come out with ways of making sure we, that we address these issues. One of the big things is that there is no Premier League for, for women in soccer, which we are looking at as, as the government and making sure that we assist to set up that Premier League. The same applies for no netball as well. There is no Premier League in netball. And our girls have played so well in that way. Extremely. Against countries that have got Premier League that has been established for years. And they came out number four. Mm. So it is becoming very important for us to actually deal with the issue of women in sport. Because as it is, there are the best performance in the country. Absolutely. And we need to make sure that we appreciate that and we actually reciprocate that that they are doing well by making sure that we put systems in place to actually show that we appreciate them. Final question, and in the context of equity, if you will, in certain industries. I mean, women, especially in arts and culture, are probably susceptible to exploiting. For, for being exploited, backup singers not getting paid, um, who are often used. I mean, if you follow the story of um, the King of Guaito, I just forget his name for a moment. Ah, oh, man, that name has disappeared, but he has held himself as the King of Guaito. And the story is emanating around how he develops talent, however he might define developing talent is. And, yeah. for instance, we had Mamulili and Dube here three nights ago saying that it might look glamorous and all, but they don't get medical aid. They don't get all the benefits that are associated with work because, well, they are not at work. They are called on for a project at a specific time. Is there a way in which the arts and culture can be reformed to to, to give those who entertain us and provide us with so much to hang on to with a sense of dignity and hope and Uh, equity? I'm sure there should be, there could be something that can be done. And this department is actually central in making sure that those areas are being looked at. We, one of the things that we are looking at as the department, I'm looking at having a, a round table mm. with, uh, with, with, with women in the arts and culture space 
so that they can, we can be able to talk these things and they, they can tell me what is their frustration. And I'm hoping to do that that before the end of this Women's Month, so that you are able then to say, what is it that we can be able to do to actually lessen the burden that they carry in this sector, where even if you do not really want to to smile to your director, you have to, because otherwise your role will be cut off. You know, where a lot of sexual harassment is happening because you, you if you do not probably uh, not succumb to that, you will not be casted to continue playing. So, so these are the things that we we, we look in. But I'm hoping that that dialogue and that roundtable discussion with Abu Mamou, William Dube, and others will take place before the end of the month. My my office is working on that. And so that we can be able to actually have a concrete proposal that we can put on the table. We'd be happy to have that discussion again on air if should something tangible yes. become of that so that we can yes, actually give yes. this discussion the traction that it is worthy of getting. Thank you yes. so much, Deputy Minister Mamunon Kawe Mafu, Deputy Minister for Sports, Arts and Culture. Let's give you an opportunity to go back to the hall and continue with your dialogue and all the best for Women's Day tomorrow, Mama. We love you and Thank we you. appreciate Thank your you presence. Thank you very much. And and happy Women's Day to all the women of South Africa. I'll claim it. Continues. I'll claim it and say thank you very much because I'm a product okay. of many good women. All right, thank you so much. Deputy Minister Nukawe of Sports, Arts and Culture. Let's take a quick ad break before we continue this evening's show, which will be the last segment for tonight. Mr. Ngabangoi, Independent TV and Film Director. You strike a woman, you strike a rock. I'm gonna leave my footprints on the sands of time. August is Women's Month and SFM is celebrating all the great women who have shaped South Africa into becoming the great country it is today. We were the generation that uh, engaged the enemy. Unlike the leadership on Robin Island, they were not subjected to the violence we were subjected to. Watinda Bafazi, Watindi Mbogoto, SAFM, leading the conversation this Women's Month. SAFM, leading the conversation. SAFM, 104 to 107, nationwide. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head.
Sing too. I do indeed. <laughs> Mr. Nabangoi. That yes. surname is quite synonymous with that song, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the song itself, I mean, as I was listening to it, it's just, uh, yeah, it's power. It's engaging your very personal history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very funny. I, I was at um, um, a few, I think about two months ago, I was at a launch of, uh, I went to Nelson Mandela University. They were, they were launching the, the the residences and they were naming them after different stalwarts and people they respect. And Mangoi was one of them. So I got up to make a speech. I mean, everyone was singing all these trouble songs. I was moved, but I just was struggling to sing the songs they were singing. They were just songs I wasn't really familiar with, but I was moved. <laughs> Mr. Ngabangoye, who's an independent TV and film director in studios, to, yes. for the most part, talk about the legacy of her grandmother, Mama Lillian Goye, of course, a contemporary of Mama Helen Joseph, a contemporary as well of Mama Sophie de Brain, a contemporary of many other, 20,000 of the mothers who marched to the union buildings and said, well, right now, enough is enough, or up to here and no more. You, to that extent... To that extent, you can own that history because your grandmother, your surname, you were there. <laughs> you know, I can't. It's very, you, I mean, the way you say it, it's almost like I should take credit for it. It's not something I can take credit for, you know. You can own it. I'm not asking you to take yeah. credit. Perhaps. And uh, I mean, you th- we think of someone like uh, Mangoi, for sure, she was at the helm of it. You know, she was at the very forefront of, of the march. Of 20,000 women, as you mentioned, 20,000 mm. women. This is back in 1956. I mean, you wouldn't even know how to, how to rally 5,000 people, you know, let alone 20,000 women who had one goal, one vision, and that was to free themselves of, you know, the, the past laws that, that had gripped them for, for a while, you know. Uh, so you say that I carry it. I mean, I carry, I carry Mangui's spirit. I carry her in my heart. And uh, and you know every time I, th- I every time I think of how crazy the world is, I realize there's a woman who had all odds stacked right against her, but she made things work and she she changed the course of history. And just on that, how much has society demanded that you become, if you like, a mango, albeit in a man's body? <laughs> oh, that's such a that's such a uh, in in the context that. <laughs> To the extent that people find out, yeah, I or mean, people you know, are curious. Yeah, oh, Goye, oh, Lillian Goye, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. blah I blah mean, blah. The, the the expectation that comes with that surname. How have you engaged it? Is it even there? Yeah, you know, uh, look, it's not even something. I mean, I don't walk around saying to people, "Hey, you know who I am." You know, um, but when people hear my surname, obviously they always associate it with with her, um, and some some don't. You know, and I don't. I don't bring it up i don't you know hint um but it's it's i think that i think the people that know of her and respect her always are in awe when they when they meet me you know as 
you know, they ask questions like, oh, wow, you know, how was she as a, as a person? The truth is I've never even met her. So she's my great-grandmother. So I was, she, I died, I, I was born three years after her death. So I never, you know, even got to meet her. But, I mean, the family, the family has immortalized her and we talk about her all the time. And, you know, but people, people's expectations of me are not that of, you know, uh, um, I mean, I'm no activist if if you will you know, i'm an activist in my heart but uh um i think um me telling my story because i'm doing a documentary on her right now which i'm sure we're going to talk about that's my way of immortalizing her that's my way of saying hey there's a history that needs to be told there's a story that still lingers and hasn't been told and that story's name is yours sincerely Lillian, right. let's talk about the artworks. I mean, you're a TV and film director, and for mm. those who've just joined, it's Mr. Ngabangoyi, as we, as you might imagine, on the 8th of August, mm. a day before Mama Lillian Goyi's legacy, among many others, is being celebrated. He's the grandson of Mama Lillian Goyi, and he has now, through the immortal memory of Mama Lillian Goyi, certainly in his family setup, decided to dedicate a film for her titled Yours Sincerely, Lillian. Yeah. Look, uh, people know of Lilith Goy, but a few really, really know what she's about. Uh, I mean, sometimes you have conversations with people and all they know is, oh, oh, it's that woman, she led a march, or there's a street named after her, you know. But people don't know that in the last 18 years of her life, the government had banished her to a home, a small, tiny house in Soweto. They were called uh, Meshbox houses back mm. in the day. I mean, they were re- really tiny homes. They still are. Yeah, they still are to this day, yeah. Um, At least was, they're standing, though. <laughs> well, you know, separate discussion for another day. <laughs> Sign yes. of the times. Yeah. Anyway, so we, I mean, her. So the last eighteen years of 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 her life was spent under house arrest. She couldn't leave her home. She couldn't interact with other people. And every time she was with, you know, one or two people, they considered that to be a meeting. Um, and she was she was literally banished to to her four walls and couldn't move. Um, but you know, in that time, she made. She made a great life for herself. You know, she tended to her flowers, to her garden, and she was exchanging letters with a member of Amnesty International who was aiding her at the time. Um, because obviously, because she was under house arrest, she couldn't make a living. And she exchanged letters with this woman who was uh, in in the United in in the UK. Exchanged about fifty plus letters, and these letters really reveal who. She was in the struggle. Who she was as a woman, who she was as a mother, and who she, and what what she represented to you know in South Africa, and who she was to the to the people of South Africa and the women especially. Uh, so I called it yours sincerely because that's how she um, signed all her letters. Yours sincerely, Lillian. You talked about immortal memory of Mangoi at home. What do you mean by that? I mean, you never met her, and yet you know clearly so much about her, such that you can even make a film. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, obviously, obviously, family talks about, uh, you know, oh, if this was happening right now, you know, if 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 Mangoi was still here, this would not happen, or uh, if she was here, this is what she would say, and. And, you know, they talk about stories of Nelson Mandela coming to the house and, you know, them hanging out and her teaching him a language. And I just just all the stories that just when they recount the stories, it's 
even though I wasn't there, it's just that special, you know. It makes me, it makes you feel a certain way, you know. It's such warm stories, stories of, of even though it was, you know, in the swirling currents of apartheid, these people had lives and they had good lives, you know. They were happy. They shared stories. So, I mean, if, when I say the family immortalizes her to this yes. day, it's those stories. It's stories of this was the kind of woman she was. This is who she was. Not only. Uh, you know, for other women, but this is who she was as a mother. This is who she was as a sister. You know, this is who she was in in the house. She was strict. She was this. She was that. So you kind of get a sense of who the person was, even though I never really met her. But you get a sense of who she really, really was. Which, in my in my you know in my eyes, that's keeping her. Oh, alive. your eyes welling up. Drink the water. Relax. <laughs> um, you're allowed to. First of all, and I I appreciate the emotion with which you. Recount the story. I'm ju- I'm just nervous. I cry when I'm nervous. Oh, good. <laughs> Let me ask something which is of interest to me, given yeah. the fact that you have the kind of surname that you do, Ngoi. Mm. Many others who are our contemporaries, who feel somewhat entitled to the public space, be it its resources, be it its narration or its narrative, they want to occupy a kind of prominence. That is not through their actions what is due to them, but because of what they have inherited, because of what their forebears would have done. And you have expressly distanced yourself from that kind of um, approach to life, if you will. The fact that you say you are, yes, you are Ngabangoi, but no more than that. And if somebody happens to inquire, you will engage them only to the extent that they're willing to engage on that. You don't certainly carry this as a badge of honor that uh, I'm the grandson mm. of Lillian Goy. There are others yeah. who carry their forebears' of struggle credentials as if it determines their value in our constitutional democracy, which has landed us as a nation for the most part mm. with that kind of thinking in the trouble that we now experience. Yeah. Look, the struggle was fought by those that fought it you know uh i'm 36 this month i wasn't i wasn't there you know all i can do is reflect and respect what it represented and what that meant um for people to think that they can capitalize on it or or try to draw some kind of attention from it for me that just waters everything down i mean you may even see me as that because I'm doing a film about her but um, you know you don't want you want to hold on to the legacy you want to Mm. respect it and not tarnish it by drawing attention to yourself you know Uh, it is it is her legacy it is what she did it is the person she was and the fight she fought you know it is not my glory to bask in you know what I mean and this doesn't just go uh, for me and and my family, but uh, I think that should be a lesson to other children of stalwarts. You know that this is not this was not your battle. You know, your grandfather, your grandmother, your aunt, whoever that person belongs to the nation. You know, yes, yes, they're your family, but really they belong to the people because they were about the people. They were fighting for the people. So for people to think that they can just, you know, um, take up. Yeah, it's not even it's not even you know people taking the baton and just you know flying with it or running with it. It's people who want to 
be recognized for their own, you know, for they they have their own agendas, you know, for personal advancement or whatever. And they think that that's, you know, if I use my father's name or my grandmother's name, this will get me some kind of traction in whatever I want to do. Uh, my point is, we need to respect. We need to respect the the legacy. It's not. It's not you that fought. Just respect the legacy. There are those, obviously, who probably would differ with what you are saying, yeah. and they would differ because they do what is precisely antithetical to what you are saying. Of course, you are not cut from that cloth. The Ngoyi family, for the most part, at least from what I see or don't see, isn't cut from that cloth. The conversations that must surely happen when the cameras are away, the videos are away, it's the Ngoyi family at a dinner table or doing something which every other South African family does. What conversations do you have about those who have that sense of entitlement, who aggrandize, who want to become prominent because of a history that precedes them, which, as you were suggesting, has nothing to do with them, they're just beneficiaries of a name? There are those families who would absolutely shred you to pieces for saying that, for mm. distancing yourself, if you will, from this political legacy, this historical legacy, this human rights legacy that we enjoy in the country. How do you, as the Ngoyi family, keep it together and make sure that in respecting this legacy, one of the most critical things that you ought to do, or the first thing you ought to do, is make sure what they were fighting for is available as much to you as it is to the every South African and know you before or not to you before every other South African. What are those conversations like at home? You know, firstly, I'd say, you know, each to their own. So, I mean, if people have their agendas or they have their reasons to do things, uh, you know, people will do and should do what they want. Uh, but to, sec- to answer the second part of your question, it's the conversations, the conversations we have in my family are really just about respecting the legacy, you know, put her first because that's who matters and that's who is known. You know, if you want to create a legacy of your own, go ahead and do what you do. If that's fighting for the rights of others or if that's, um, you know, being an entrepreneur or whatever, whatever your path is, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, blaze a trail, you know, walk your path. That's what she did, you know, and she created a legacy for herself. It isn't, it isn't, the spotlight is on her and should just be on, on her. That's the person who fought. That's the person who should be acknowledged and revered, not you. Let's talk about yours sincerely now. Let's talk about the production itself because, I mean, Lokuma Mungo, you went and knocked on Advocate J.G. Stradrom's door, the Prime Minister, and she handed (laughs) over a petition. She She was. She handed over a petition and she probably would have said, you're sincerely Lillian and the African <laughs> Women's League, you know. Now there is a story in film, immortalizing, if you will, this history, this legacy, which you are respecting as a grandson. You're sincerely Lillian. Talk to us about that. So that film. Who's the there? Fi- yeah. Where do you get your material from? How yeah. far you are in production? Oof. Yeah, that's a conversation for that conversation could I could be here all night, you know. Uh, you look, got six minutes. <laughs> no pressure. Like I've been working on this project literally now. This is 2019. I've been working on this project for 10 years. Uh, I am almost done with it. It's look, we've done pr- principal photography. Uh, we just have a few more interviews to do, uh, and then you know, just to tie up a few things and then go into into post. Uh, this should be before the end of the year. I'm hoping we'll go into post before the end of the year. It has been grueling and. Mm trying it has been i mean it's a labor of love and every 
there's these kinds of projects really take take it out of you i mean they take a lot of energy and they take a lot of you you fall in love with the project and out of love you 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 know you hate yourself for starting this project and you appreciate the fact that you you're doing such a an important story you know but that's that's just it's a, it's a labor of love for me uh but it's 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 time that this labor of love uh came to some kind of completion <laughs> You've met some people, obviously, who've contributed to this labor of love. Her contemporaries who would have given you photographs. Generations after her contemporaries who would have assisted you with um, letters, for instance, mm, or voices yeah. captured from films or even recordings of the kind. Who are these persons that you have met and who has also been part of the story in the production who's not just the designated film and TV director? Yeah. So, you know, I've been, I've been very lucky um, because uh, some of the people, I mean, the people that contributed to this film. I mean, it's, it's just one phone call and the people show, show love and they show support. Uh, I have people like, uh, uh, Auntie Sophie, Auntie Sophie Debrain. She's, mm. you know, she was very, very helpful. And every time, every time there's something, she'll call me and say, Hey, do you want to talk about this? You know, I think this would be great. Mangoi would have loved this. You know, she's very, she's like a constant support. I mean, people like Gertrude Chope, um, um, I didn't. I didn't get to 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 sit down with uh, um, Ahmed Katrada, Amina Kachalia. I've interviewed. Amina Kachalia. Yeah. I've interviewed. I've I've interviewed quite a few people. Unfortunately, some people uh, have passed. And I was about to say, you're running out of time with some of them. I've been I've been running out of time since the beginning of this project because if you if you think about someone who led a march in 1956, in 1956, how old was she? 63 plus X. Yes. Do you know Do you know what I mean? So a lot of these people uh, have have you know unfortunately passed, uh, but the the story the st- and this is why I've come to a point where I need to wrap it up because uh, stories like this never come to an end. You know, pr- uh, production goes on forever, research goes on forever. Uh, but I've been I've been I've been really lucky, you know, with the people I've interviewed, and uh, and I have I have um, an eighteen eighteen minute p- uh, piece of of the film, and. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just close to completion, which is one thing I'm grateful for. Uh, but it's been, uh, it's been really, really difficult. I mean, getting funds for, f- for film, first well, of all. That's the next is, question. Where yeah. do funds come from yeah. for 10 years? That, this is the thing. When you make movies, that is your biggest struggle, you know, getting funding for it. Uh, I think I, I was lucky because I have access. And the first thing people want to know is, do you have access? How far can you take the story? What do you mean by you access? Know, by access. For me, for example, I have stories that other people don't have. So if a song is okay ah, and said I wanted to do a story about Lillian Goy and Ngabangoi came, I mean, uh, you know, no brainer. I would go for Ngabangoi. <laughs> sure. Do you know what I mean? So sure. it's just a matter of uh, access. Who can tell the story better based on what they know and how far they can go with the story? Uh, and how far, you know, how much intel they, they can get. You have a premium bargaining chip there. Let's talk about. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's it's dedicated to Mamu Lillian, but mm. I think in context, you cannot talk about her without Ruth First, Helen Joseph, Gertrude Chope, yeah, Mama yeah. Winnie Matikzela Mandela, Tambo Sisulu, De Brain. How much of those names also feature in this film? So, you know, um, like I said, a lot of them have, have passed. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, without getting... You know, touchy feely. I I've struggled with getting interviews from some of them for their own personal reasons. Yeah. Uh, but but for the most part, I've been like I I keep saying I've been really lucky 
some of the people I've interviewed have given me stories I I can only dream of, you know. Mm. Um and some I'm still I'm I'm still waiting to interview. Um but you know, people like Amina Kachala, it was I think two months before uh she passed. She she gave me great stories, you know. Uh uh, Auntie Sophie Debrain, like I said, you know, she's also given me some stories that no one else could have given me. These are people who are actually there, you know, people who are First at the foref- forefront of this. I mean, they will tell you stories of, uh, I mean, when they were, I think there was, uh, I forget what it's called right now. My memory, my memory doesn't really serve me at this moment. But, you know, after after the march, they were imprisoned. They went, you know, uh, they went to the drill hall, and so there were people who were who were there detained with them that I've that I've spoken to. I mean, those stories are invaluable. These are stories you will not get from anyone. You know, these are stories you will not read from any textbook or any novel or any any. This is not written material. This you can only get from you know, the mouths of these people who experienced her. And, and, and for me, like I said, you know, it's invaluable. Uh, it's, it's great stories. Uh, but look, I'm not done with the film. Uh, there's still some more funding to be, to be, to be gotten. But it's... it's we it's are licking our well. lips, obviously, for the production. Can you give us an estimation as to when we can expect to <laughs> go and view yours sincerely? Lillian? <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. I really cannot give any promises, but like I say, uh, there is still some money I would need to to get. Uh, but by the end of the year, production will be done and post production will be will be done. So, yeah, next year we'll be having a different conversation. We'll keep our eyes peeled. Thank you so much, Mr. Ngabangoyi, independent TV and film director. Ngabangoyi, of course, the grandson of Mama Lillian Goyi. Thank you so much, South Africans, for joining us. 2146 this evening, 8th of August. It's time for our daily soapy, The Jigsaw. Happy birthday, Vuyuem Bulawa.